me tell you about Anchor by Spotify, which is the easiest way to make a podcast and the app that I use to make this podcast, Five Blue Firefighter. It's everything you need all in one place. First, Anchor has all the tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. If you host off Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and many others. Everything you need all in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, download Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. Welcome back to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. Today's episode, we are going to talk about leadership. In Five Tool Firefighter, chapter one is on leadership. However, today I have a man, an honor actually to have this man on to talk about his book, his experiences in leadership, and what he's done throughout his career, not only as a a former U.S. Army soldier, also a firefighter, a husband, a father, and every, everything under the sun. A great, a great man to the fire service in Joshua Chase and Jump Seat Leadership. Joshua, welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I know we've been going back and forth last week or two just trying to get together. And uh, it's cool to be on. It's cool to be asked to be on these things, honestly. You know, so um, I appreciate you reaching out. And uh, I do see it as a privilege and an honor when people reach out. Um, like I said, we just talked before the podcast. I just wrote a book. So when it resonates with people, it's pretty cool to say like, hey, like, would you come on and talk about it? So definitely appreciate you having me on today. Anytime. I, like we were talking before we started this, like, I've been following you for some time and, you know, been seeing your message and, and didn't want to talk to you on a, I guess, professional level on a podcast or anything of that nature until I finished the book because right. I want to live the book. And the book is a really, really good book. Whoever doesn't have the book, I highly recommend picking up this book, Jump Seat Leadership. But reach out to him, talk to him more. He'll gladly, you'll gladly talk to people about the book. I mean, you're doing some more stuff. We'll get into that as well on your Jump Seat Leadership book. Highly recommend the book. Paints a great picture for anybody that wants to be a leader because leadership, and we'll talk about that, comes from comes from ourself. Right. But um, before we start, man, just want to say, um, I grew up in a military family, grew up in a Green Beret father and aunt who uh, retired colonel from the military as well. Thanks for what you do. Appreciate all you do. And uh, glad to have you in the fire service, man. Glad you could bring that knowledge over. Yeah, I appreciate so, it, man. Yeah, good stuff. So who doesn't know who Joshua Chase is? Why don't you tell a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, well, I mean, my name is Josh Chase. I've been in the fire service about 17 years did 15 of those years at the firefighter level, transitioned over to be an officer. Uh, we, you know, we call it gotten promoted two years ago and um, married three kids. Uh, oldest daughter's 21. I got a 16 year old son, 14 year old daughter. So I'm like right in the teenage crazy years and I'm only 40. So if you do math, like I'm a fairly young dad. Um, but yeah, so they keep me busy. Fire service keeps me busy. Yeah. Um, the whole jump seat leadership thing really just, was birthed out of just who I was in the fire service. You know, I gave it a name, but I just did a lot of my career, like I said, at the firefighter level so far, where a lot of my buddies got promoted at, you know, seven years, eight years, nine years. I was still kicking it at the jump seat level. And, but I didn't let that deter me from being the informal leader that I thought the fire service needed in the stations. And I brought a lot of that over from the military, you know, military experience. They're big on knowing the job of the guy below you and knowing the job of the guy above you. So I kind of brought that over for personally, haven't done it all right, but I wanted to just encourage people, you know, hey, you do not have to be an officer to lead. Like you said earlier, like leadership is really on you. And that's kind of where jump seat leadership came from. And I'm a normal guy, right? Like I'm a fireman, love riding the truck. Um, I prefer the ladder over the engine. I'm sure like there's a whole podcast of people arguing about that, but, uh, <laughs> I do prefer ladder work to engine work. I like them both, but, uh, I am a ladder Lieutenant and that is what I prefer. Uh, so that might stop me from taking a captain's test cause they would remove me from the ladder. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but 
no, I'm, I'm excited, man. My, you know, I just wrote about my experiences in the book, my life experiences. And a lot of the stuff I write about in the book, like good or bad, like I've lived it, you know, I'm not an expert at it. I've just lived it. And I, I don't, I try not to put anything out that I'm not willing to hold myself accountable for. You know, I write some stuff in the book that I'm proud of, write some stuff in the book that I'm not proud of. I mean, we all, we all develop, you know, bad habits, I'd say over the course of our career. And uh, I tell my junior guys now, like, hey, don't pick up on all our bad habits. Develop your own bad habits. You know, you take everybody else's bad habits, then you're just a career. You're a guy full of bad habits, you know? Absolutely. I mean, in the first in the first part of this book, when you talk about bad habits before I get into this, is it, it, it's true. People can pick up bad habits right away from, from anybody. Yeah. And um, I, I say at the same time, I've been saying this for a while, and, and you can add on to it, correct me if I'm wrong, whichever you want. I always think that when you become a firefighter, you come into the fire academy, go through your probate school, you start the job. You're almost like a, a sponge right. of knowledge. You know what I mean? And you are you don't know anything. Like the first chapter, you said nobody cares. Right. And, you know, whatever happens prior to it, no one really does care what you did right. before you got to that, that moment when you, when you show up that first day and answer that first call. Yeah. Nobody cared about your background. And, I've been saying we're like sponges and I compare that. I have a toddler and I say my toddler, he'll mimic everything I do, but not do what I say. Right. So I'll tell him, go to bed. Well, you're not asleep. Why am I going to go to sleep? Right. Yeah. I say because I told you to, you know what I mean? And you know, very well after we have four, you said three three kids kids all older now, but yeah, no, I get it, dude. So that's what I say. I always say, if if you're going to develop, Good firefighters, good, well-rounded, successful firefighters, gotta develop with good habits instead of using these and let them pick their own bad habits as they go and learn right. from it. Yeah. In chapter, in chapter one, I want to talk a little about that. Nobody cares. Right. So when you started, when you came into the fire service and you had all this knowledge, the military and other stuff you've done in your life, life experiences in general. How was it transitioning into a role as a firefighter and you had all this other experiences behind you was it something that was difficult when you first started yeah so yeah it was it was super crazy in the sense where so i joined the fire service in 2005 july 2005 i had been in the army reserves at that point and i had there was talks about us going to war but we weren't sure so October 2005, July, I missed them. Sorry, October 2005, I actually got deployed. So I was in the academy about four or five months at that point and finished my fire training, got deployed, was gone for a year uh, and then came back, you know, a year and a half. I think I was gone, came back in 2007, took a break with my family, jumped back in the fire service. So here I am. Got deployed in the middle of the academy, came back from war, finished the academy, I'm back on the street. And it it was a little difficult in the sense where, you know, I was I was a Black Hawk helicopter crew chief in the Army, working on helicopters, got to do some cool missions, flying behind a gun. We worked with uh, Special Forces Marines. We did some really cool stuff. But then I was in the fire service, and I didn't know anything about the fire service. And the, the common factor for me was service, right? Army service and then fire department service. I knew I wanted to serve. And I didn't grow up wanting to be a fireman. I just grew up wanting to help. And, you know, the Army and the fire department is where I, you know, I've exercised that that desire. But, yeah, it was a challenge as far as I was humbled early, I would say, because I really knew nothing about the fire service. I knew nothing about the engines. I didn't grow up in the fire service. I didn't grow up around the station. So I really, like you just said, I had to become a sponge. And I slowly started to realize that, you know, I wasn't treated poorly or treated bad, but I did realize that like these guys didn't care that I had just been to war and we didn't even talk about that, you know, and they didn't say they didn't care. I just realized that just like you said, they were like, Hey, we got to teach you this job. And I soaked it up, man. I, uh, like I said, I haven't done it all right, but I really would just became a sponge realizing that it wasn't nobody cared like they were a bunch of assholes. They were right. like, we just don't care because nobody's shooting at you. This is a new enemy and we need to teach yeah. you this enemy. And I was like, well, 
if I want to survive, like I wanted to survive a war and I made it back by counting on, you know, my buddies, I had to learn to survive in the fire service. And that meant accepting the fact that nobody gives a shit and uh, I got to I got to do it right. Because I know you, you talk about in the end of the first chapter about leaders and managers and some aren't really leading you the right way yeah. and how you felt, you know, you should be leader, be a leader and learning to leave from the jump, drum, uh, jump seat. What was that like when you started realizing that, you know, you might not have the best leader right. above you, but you had maybe a good manager and people around you right. to manage the process, but not really a great leader. Yeah. What was that experience like transitioning into that jump seat leadership? So, yeah. So at first, obviously, like, you know, back then it wasn't called jump seat leadership. You know, it, there's all yeah. these fancy terms now, leadership, supervision, management, informal leadership. Back then it was, I, you just wanted to be the guy on the floor. You want to be the go-to guy. Really, that's what they've yeah. called it in the fire service, right? So my first captain was awesome. You know, he was a great leader and he's probably one of, honestly, he's probably one of the best leaders I've had in the fire service. But he, he came from more of like, a, you know, I work for you guys. I want to get you guys where you need to go. And I want to make sure when you leave, you're prepared, you know? So I had a really good example and he kind of instilled in us that whole, like, be the go-to guy, you know, um, be the informal leader in the station. Like, just because, you know, you don't have rank, he wasn't saying this stuff. It was just how he lived, you know? And I really didn't realize how fortunate I was until I got transferred one day and I started to work for other officers that they weren't bad people. They were great guys. Maybe they were good husbands, fathers, you know, maybe they were good firemen, but they got in these leadership positions and maybe they just never got training to lead. They never wanted to be a leader. Maybe they took the test for the wrong reasons. Like there's a million different reasons people lead or don't lead. But I started to realize that, oh, I, I'm going to have to continue to develop my leadership skills. And I can't let the fact that the officer's not doing it stand in the way of the crew not getting the leadership that they need. And um, that's a tricky balance because you got officers out there who are threatened by stuff like that. And um, and I've definitely done it wrong where I've been like, man, this guy's, you know, terrible. Like, I'll just do it. And I've done it right where I've gone to the officer and been like, hey, I'm here to be your go to guy. That's worked better. And then some guys just don't want it. But it is a challenge when you're looking at, you know, the crew's looking to you for leadership, but you're not the boss. You know, and uh, but the crew shouldn't suffer. Somebody's got to be leading, and somebody is leading. And um, you know, now that I am an officer, I've been promoted the last this is going on two and a half years. I've been at two different stations. I've shown up at both stations, and I want to know who's in charge. And it may not necessarily be the captain. You know, so I kind of take a step back, and I'm like, he's responsible, but he may not be leading. He may not be in charge, and that doesn't nothing personal about these guys right like i haven't always led best in my career but i think it's uh you can't like i said you just can't let the crew suffer for lack of leadership and just don't be the one complaining about it and also the one to not step up and do anything about it i'm like a champion bitcher like i i complain at least five six times a day but i'd also like to say i try and bring solutions to the problems you know so which i think i talk about that in the book too but yeah yeah man yeah it's not it's not complete it's not all easy but it's worth it absolutely i mean i know firsthand i've kind of felt that same way you know i felt right. sometimes i had a captain and i put it in my book about how he led me and he made sure we were out there if we were training if he saw us at the engine he started quizzing us on different things and just would just bring out all this knowledge or force us to do things or think about things when we least expect it right and we would think about it like, man, he's pulling stuff out of us that you wouldn't get from everybody. Other people walk by and not say two words, you know, you check the packs today or something like that. But he really brought something out, especially in me, and I took a liking to that it challenged me to want to know everything and everything I possibly could know. And it comes to the point now where I have times where, as a senior firefighter, I'm like, I'm being a part of training. People will come to me over the over the office, over the over the lieutenant. Right. And I sometimes have to catch myself because I'm quick to be like, yeah, I'll hand, you know, this is what we have to do. But I was like, wait, 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 I'm not in charge. I'm right. not making that call. Yeah. And there were times where I was told, hey, man, you got to you got to slow it down. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in the back. You're working fire. You're, you're 
you're making the calls back here at the guy up front who's trying to make these decisions and you're back here coming up with a game plan with the crew. Right, yeah. right. No, well, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, man. You know, sometimes I get ahead of myself, but you start to understand how you had to, how to balance it out and bring that dichotomy. But like you said, you started finding ways. Right. And I, I'm saying I like to bitch a lot too. I also like bitching, right. complaining here and there. But um, you know, you talk about no one cared acquire the knowledge because someone's not really sh- you know might not be showing you or not be teaching right. you the right way. And looking back, if someone who was in your shoes at that time when you were going through learning learning this process of leadership and learning how to find your way in the fire services. Someone came to you now as lieutenant. Said, Lieutenant Chase, what do I got to do? I, I'm I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn our processes. I'm trying to learn what I need to do to, to succeed in this job. What would you tell them? Yeah, so that's a, man, that's a really good question. Um, I think if I had to, so I'll just treat it like going back to talk to my younger self. Cause uh, I, feel, I feel like that's easier. I was hoping you said that. Yeah. You know, so um, no, if I really had to go back and tell myself something like one, be patient, you know, like just be patient. You're going to get where you want to go. It's just going to take time. You know, I think back yesterday, I just yesterday I was a rookie. Now I have 17 years in the fire service, man, it flew by and I'm not like, you know, and, and there's so much turnover in our department right now. And guys are leaving. They're like, you're a senior guy right now. And I'm like 17 years to me feels like nothing. Cause when I came in guys had like 30, 40 years in. Right. So I'm like 17 years is it's whatever for me. Like I'm in the middle. Right. And they're like, nah, you're, you're at the top. And I don't feel like that. So it goes fast. So immediately I just tell guys, Hey, you're in here, you're motivated, you're excited. You want to learn, be patient. Uh, I think the quicker you go, the quicker you miss things, you know, like, well, I want to get signed off to drive. I want to get signed off to drive the engine, drive the ladder, do this, do this, do that. Like, it's not, like enjoy the process this really is and i do believe this everybody says this but i think it's true like this is one of the best jobs in the world like i wouldn't be doing it i could go do something else i could probably get a job you know i feel like i'm a capable individual i could go do something else if i really wanted to i'm doing this because i want to so right. be patient enjoy the process enjoy the job and the other side of that is like man me included these days like we don't serve enough humble pie and people aren't eating enough of it and they just like humility is freaking huge, man. Sometimes it doesn't even matter if you're right. It's just be quiet and listen to the guys around you. You know, even if you're right in the moment, you know, you may not be right you know, the next 30 days, six months. And they might know that I wrote an article yeah. today called choices and I posted it. I haven't even seen what it's doing, but you know, these days, nobody wants to listen to anybody's advice. You know, they all want to make their own choices, but when their consequences come, they don't want to accept responsibility for them, you know? So just be patient, yeah. be humble. And honestly, man, I just wish I would have just listened more. I just wish I would have listened. You know, I like to talk and I'm a, I'm pretty witty. Stuff just comes out of my mouth real fast. Man, I'd like to take back probably about 60% of what I said my first five years in the fire service. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I can't do that. So, I mean, I actually had that conversation with my dad yesterday on the phone. Um, saying I wish I, I listened more when I was younger because, man, I made some terrible mistakes. I mean, yeah. I look back on some today. And I said, what, what did I do that for? Why did yeah. I say that to someone? Why did I make that decision? And, and it's true. Listen more, talk less. And someone said that to me. I think when I was about 23, 24 years old, I was ranting about something to this a friend of mine, and she looked at me and said, I need you to stop. I need you to listen more. And talk less right and you'll start seeing your growth and your success start improving because you're you're not talking as much and you're taking it in what's around you yeah and i'm not going to bash i don't want to bash any i guess younger firefighters that are coming up more greener firefighters but right at least in my in my area where i'm at i'm seeing a lot more and maybe i was like this too when i was in my 20s i don't know but I'm starting to see more of guys where they're doing a lot more talking and doing a right. lot more. They don't, they want to get ahead. They want to put the cart before the horse. Right. They want to drive first, learn suppression later. 
Yep. They don't want to know how to hit a hydrant, but they want to learn how to drive and they want to be in that front seat. I don't understand where it's coming from. I, I don't know if it's just something that is just going on. But yeah. So it's here too. Like, I'm glad you said that. It's not just there. I think it's, this is a common conversation right now in the fire service. And like, I think we're being nice when we're like, maybe we were like that when we were our twenties, but really we know we weren't right. You know, and right. it's not, yeah, yeah. We're, we just weren't, we were like, Hey, how can I learn the job? You know, because yeah. I don't think, I think it's hard to fake it, you know, in this job, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And this is one of those things Like this job will eventually expose you for who you are. Uh, you might be in a room by yourself and it's extremely hot and, and you may not tell anybody, or you might be exposed in front of people. You know, you yeah. might run out of a burning building that you thought you could take. And finally, you know, everybody's looking at you, but it is, everybody wants to do stuff without doing stuff. You know, um, everybody wants the badge but when it comes time to be a fireman. They're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. You know, yeah. it's, they, they want the check marks. They want all these things. And it's not about, man, it's years. Like graduation, they were like, hey, here's your badge. And I was like, man, this is cool. Then I got to the station and I was like, I am so not a firefighter because I don't know anything. Like mm -hmm. the badge was like, Hey, you graduated the Academy. Congratulations. Now you have a ticket to learn. And, uh, that's what I did. So, but no, you're right, man. I don't understand it. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be patient with the newer guys coming up and just letting them know like, Hey, you can take a hundred classes, but if you can't drag that hose line in that building, we have a problem, you know? So, and, and you highlight that in the book. You highlight that in different ways from how I read the book. And I was kind of living this book, trying to put your experiences together and then kind of seeing it back from my, my own perspective. Right. And you put in here matured chapter three, experience needed. Right. And kind of highlight it on that right now. Everybody wants to do something, but experience is what's going to get you yeah. to understand if you're really as good as you say you are, it's going to expose you or it's not going to expose you. Yeah. Because the more experience you are, the more you'll know, maybe that's not really something I should be doing, you know, right. especially when it comes to certain aspects on the fire ground. Yeah. And, and, and it's basics, right? Like yeah. I remember going to my officer, I probably had like maybe four or five years in and I felt like I had like a, like a good idea what the basics in the fire service were at that point. So I was like, Hey, when are we going to do some advanced firefighting stuff? And he was, he kind of laughed at me. And I was like, no, like we're doing all the same stuff. Like when he was like, it, there is no advanced firefighting, Josh. He's like, you get really good at the basics <laughs> and then you look like you're an advanced oh, yeah. firefighter, but there is no advanced fire. I was like, nah, there's advanced everything. Every, everything has a different <laughs> level, right? But he was like, no, not here. You get really good at your job. And then when you feel like you're really good at it, you continue to train on it because your skills can deteriorate over time. And I didn't even realize that, you know, I realize it now. And I mean, I've been in situations where the basics have literally saved my life, you know, but I trained them over and over and over to the point where I got on a jam, like it was natural to do what I was trained to do. So yeah, man, it's, it's crazy that I'm like, listen, learn the basics, build a foundation or everything go to hell in a handbasket real quick. If you don't have a good foundation in here. Yeah. And that, that's, pretty much the first three chapters of your book we just yeah. you know we talked about it and, and you know i started thinking about it and chapter four maturity counts yeah this chapter hit me because we were talking earlier about we just sometimes just say stupid stuff right or you just do stupid things because you just want to advance and you want to go and you, you want to talk more than you want to listen and i've experienced over time now that that maturity level as you grow, and it's also the people you're around in the fire service, even outside the fire service, that's gonna give you this maturity level. And when you bring this up about maturity, it, it really resonates for everybody. Because we all think we're mature, but come on, who doesn't find it fun to put on the gear, get in a, in a big truck with lights and sirens right. and ride around? I mean, yeah. you have a little bit of immaturity and you don't want to laugh. Dude, I'm like a kid. I'm like, they're paying me to do this right now. Like, and now I'm responsible for people. I'm like, I'm sitting up here. Somebody's driving me around in this big truck. I got a big smile on my face. I'm like, uh, 
Like it really is, man. Like everybody goes through ups and downs in their career, but I, you know, I don't know that I'd really be doing anything else right now. You know, like I said, I got my complaints, oh, yeah. you know, oh, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, uh, at the end of the day, I'm here because I want to be here. And if I have that much to bitch about, man, there are so many places hiring right now. I could easily go get a job at Chick-fil-A and say my pleasure all day. I mean, I, I don't think you get, you guys have Chick-fil-A up there now? Yeah, yeah we got a few. Okay, yeah, we didn't have them when I grew up up north, so. Yeah, there's one uh, one right outside for families, you know, South Plainfield is when yep. we put one in. So I drive about 15 minutes away. I'll drive just to go get out there on, on 287 just to go get Chick-fil-A. It's still not around. Yeah. So yeah, we got one on every corner here, so and they're always hiring. Oh, so I know if I if it ever gets too bad <laughs> in Norfolk, like I, I could just go get a job there. So it, it's uh, but it is, man. It's my choice, right? Like I'm yeah. I'm choosing to stay here because I want to be here and I I feel like I have something to bring to the table, especially with the younger guys, you know. So yeah. yeah. So when we when you talk maturity in the book. Right. What what are you what are you trying what are you trying to portray and make sure you want to share? with other people when you speak on this maturity matters. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I was a grown up in the fire department at like seven years. Right. I really thought like, okay, cool. Uh, I worked at a busy station, you know, pretty close to downtown, you know, on an average, we're running 20 calls a day between the engine and the ambulance and a 24 hour shift, always up great crew, you know, going to fires, going to gunshots, stabbings. We we rode, we're cross-trained in Norfolk, so we ride the ambulance and the fire truck. So 12 on one truck, 12 on the other, 12 on the other. I was just doing some cool stuff, and I was, like, doing it consistently. And I felt like I got good at what I did. Um, and I, I at seven years, I probably got – six, seven years in, I probably got pretty arrogant. You know, like, I got it. Wasn't really taking a lot of advice from from senior guys at that point. You know, I, I kind of saw some senior guys that had been there, done that, as washed up. The younger guys that didn't have the same mentality that I had, you know, I just talked shit about them. And uh, it, so I start, you look, I look back now and I just realize how immature of an attitude I had. I thought I was grown up, big dog, look at me. And more, I was just, an, you know, I was kind of a, I mean, we were nicknamed the arrogant assholes. Our crew was nicknamed. The, like we'd show up, we'd do what you needed done on a fire. We'd get the job done. You know, we'd patch up gunshot stabbings. We could do our job like nobody's business. But as far as like maturity as a human being, we're freaking terrible, you know? And uh, I think the best thing they could have done and we didn't realize at the time was they eventually split us all up. You know, we all got sent to different stations and we were so irritated. We we're like, man, we got this great crew. Our wives are hanging out. Our kids are hanging. Out. Everybody knows each other. It's like watching the movies. And, uh, you know, but for us, I think we had a lot of growing up to do. And the best thing for us was to just go to these other houses. And I didn't realize that till years later. Like we, we've talked about a couple of times now, like I look back and I'm like, man, I just wish I would have handled things different. You know, maybe if I thought I was grown up, maybe that's the time to be humble because I can be humble at any moment. And I've had plenty right. of humbling moments over my career. And I've had plenty of guys that are more senior to me, pull me aside and say, Hey, uh, we need to have a conversation, you know, and you know, those are nice words, right? Like their words right. weren't that nice, but uh, I, I needed to hear it because I was anything but mature at that point. And I think it does go a long way. And I think if you're not, I think recognizing where you're at as far as maturity is a big thing. Like, so maturity counts. And if you're not mature, keep growing. If you are, help somebody maybe you recognize or not. If you think you've arrived, just realize that you haven't because there's always somebody with more time than you. Yeah. And it's like you said, knowledge, experience, and maturity all go hand in hand. Yep. Oh, 110%, man. Like, they all go together. You can't have one without the other. You got the book knowledge, but no experience, you're screwed. You got the experience, but absolutely no book, you might have a problem. And then if you don't have any maturity, you really start to be the arrogant asshole that I was talking about. So they do, man. They You just blend them all together. It's good stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely a believer that you can have all the experience in the world, but you have to have a, li a little bit of book knowledge. A little bit will help you balance everything out and, and yep. really go a long way because you have a better understanding of what's going on. Yeah. And, and I'm not like others. huge on... I'm not like, I'd rather read personal experience books. Like, yeah. and, and I like, I have a fire science degree, right? But I'm like, I'm going to be honest like that. I don't know that that's really helped me be a fireman. Like it is what it is. So right. books are good. I like books. I'm not smashing books. If you're strictly a book firefighter though, that's where the issue is. 
Like Absolutely. I think experience and hands on the job training and, and doing the actual work is what really gets you the experience. And I think the book can supplement that. I would rather not see you're like, Oh, I'm all books. And you're using experience to supplement the books. I'm like flip-flop, like get the experience, do the training, Absolutely. do the hands-on nothing wrong with tabletop, but tabletop shouldn't be your only training either. Absolutely. You see so many, so many people that just they'll go to conferences yep. and they'll just search, they'll just search collect, collect all the search oh, they yeah. can come back and go, oh, what I did? Did you really sit? Did you really learn anything? Are you right. using this to benefit not just yourself, but your crew, your department, your community? Can you bring it into the real life scenarios? Yeah. Oh, you know, it all goes hand in hand, but experience will be able to take that book stuff and say, oh, wait a minute. I can take something from the book and I can use it because I have the experience of what the job entails and what actually goes on. The books yeah. can give you, you know, textbook information for the most part. And you did all this stuff and you come into your officer needs you. Yeah. And that's something people don't really say. You know, they say you need your officer, but right. your officer needs you. Right. Now you're an officer now. Yep. And you can, and just obviously it makes sense because you need those men and women under you. You need right. those firefighters to help you, to help you succeed. Oh yeah. So when you were in this position, how did you come to the realization that your officer needed you? Right. So like I said, I, I felt spoiled. I had a pretty good officer uh, my first probably six years in. And he, I think he knew like we could make or break him. You know, like he's responsible for our decisions, but he's not making them for us. He's training us and hoping that we grasp the knowledge and do what he asks us to do. But he's not, you know, he's not making our choices. And I started to realize like he's one man, right? Like he's got a whole crew under him. And we can make him look really great and we're going to make him look really bad. Um, and our thing was like, he was genuine. He was honest. He was caring. Like he wanted to, he like wanted us to succeed and do well, you know, and in turn, like we kind of took care of him. Like, you know, we realized he did need us, you know, and as I started to develop these, like I'll call them informal leadership skills, like leading without rank or title, you know, one man is the officer. You got a whole crew of people he does have stuff he has to take care of. So I was like, well, I'll be the guy on the floor that maybe trains the junior guy or talks to the other guys or shows people how to do stuff. I was like, it doesn't always have to be him. You know, he right. does have a lot on his plate as far as, you know, some of these guys got all these, you know, all the people in the station, they don't have any help. So I was like, oh, I'll just do it. And I'm naturally that's been me. Like I said, I've handled some, you know, I could do a podcast about like all the things I've done wrong in a fire service and, I probably have an unlimited amount of episodes, you know, so I'm not on here saying like, look, I've done it all right. But I am saying that I've tried to fill in the gaps where I knew the officer was lacking instead of just letting him drown. Cause it's really easy to let somebody drown, man, especially oh, if you yeah. don't see eye to eye and you don't even like the guy, you're not getting along. You're like, you know what? Go ahead and say that dumb stuff. You were going to say at lineup and I'll watch everybody's reaction. And then as soon as you leave, I'll fuel the fire because I know they don't like you anyway. You know, yep. where, or you can take it the other way where it's like, hey, this guy maybe hasn't been taught or hasn't led well, and you can more build a relationship with him and lead the crew together. And that's what I look to my guys to do. Like, I need my guys on the floor, right? I have guys that have been in the fire department, same amount of time as me. They're firefighters. I'm an officer. Some of the guys that work for me, we literally were in the same academy. So but I'm technically their supervisor. I don't treat these guys like, you know, they're my employees. You know, I treat them like we're part of a team. I need them, you know, because guys on the floor talk to them the way that they won't talk to me. And just because regardless, if you don't know me, I'm a lieutenant. I'm not Josh Chase. The guys that came in with me, I'm a lieutenant now, but they knew me as Josh Chase at one point. So it's a different kind of relationship. So the guys that only know me as lieutenant, they haven't in with these guys because I want to take care of my crew. So if somebody needs something and that guy won't come to me, but he'll go to one of my informal leaders and that guy comes to me, I can take care of the need. So your officer, I do believe he needs you. I know I need these guys under me. Um, not every officer is receptive to these things. And if your leadership style is completely different than your officer, 
man, it gets real tricky if you got an officer you work for who is like, hey, you guys work for me. And your leadership style is you work for the guys. The, those, man, those usually butt heads pretty fast. And uh, guys are going to choose, you know, yeah. you know, they're going to choose whether you like it or not. Yeah, and, and the one thing is, it's like, you're all a team. And yep. everybody on the team has a specific role they have to accomplish. If they have yep. responsibilities of their role, and if you utilize them in the way you're talking, it's, everything's going to flow. Yep. You're not going to have the button heads. You have times, but you're going to be able to have a more smooth shift to run. Oh, yeah. And you'll get, you'll get the job done a lot better, a lot faster. I like you said and, that too, smooth shift. You just, that's what you want, right? Yeah, that's what you want. And a buddy of mine, he's, he got promoted two years ago. Two years ago, he got promoted in his department. And um, I said, how do you feel? He said, I'm nervous. You know, I don't know this crew. I'm going into a new crew now. So I don't know these guys. And I have to learn them. They don't know me. So the one thing I have to do, and he actually took a page at uh, Jared Sergey's book, because he's he knows he knows him and um, was talking said I read his book and get to know the guys get to know each person under me not just as firefighters but as people right and I start learning about who they are and they start learning about me because he's very private but as long as they all we all know each other it's a lot easier yep when push comes to shove you got to go do you have to go go to work yep. you know each other you know how their weaknesses their strengths their good days and bad days and he said, you know, it's it's good. I mean, you have your pushbacks. You're always going to have them. Yeah. But it's a lot easier when, like you said, your officer needs you. Right. And everybody has that, knows what's on that sheet of music. And there's no, there's no, no guessing when they turn the page of no. what's coming. The cool thing, like, you know, so if you're getting pushback, it's because you're doing something. So that's the cool thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like, oh, man, I'm getting so much pushback. Well, you're getting pushback because you're taking action. So, you know, it's better to get pushback because you're actually up moving, try, trying right. stuff. You know, the guys that are like, you're not getting any pushback. It's because you're not talking at work. You're not spending time with the guys. You don't know their wives' names and you're not going to click with everybody. Right. And not everybody's going to like you. But still, like if you're making an effort and you got a couple guys that you got pushback from or maybe you don't click with. Well, at least, you know, and maybe those are the guys you develop relationships with the guys that do connect with them. There's ways to do it. And like. You know, like your buddy. I mean, he was like, uh, I guess I'll get to know these guys. And uh, it's huge, man, when you're like, hey, how was your daughter's dance recital? You know, sounds so silly, right? But when I was in, first in the fire department, like you're just trying to learn the job and, you know, go and burning buildings and patch people up from whatever. And now as an officer, you know, I, I feel like, you know, it's humanity 101, right? It's like, uh, how would you guys do over the weekend, you know? We could talk about pump pressure later. You know? Exactly. And you do see a sense of a different in the person. And I feel too, when, when someone comes to me and asks me, how, how is your son or how's your wife feeling? Or whatever the situation is. Right. When they ask you and they specifically say their names. Oh yeah. They know, you know, you know, they're listening to you and they know you. It's not just your son or your wife. It's their, it's Amanda. You know, how's your wife Amanda doing? How's your son Ian doing? And it's huge, like, man. I just had a conversation wow. with a guy about that. Because um, some people, it's not natural. No. And I was like, not hey, well. man, it, it looks like this doesn't come natural for you. But if you don't make an effort, you're going to lose the guys. Yeah. You know, and they're like, what? What are you talking about? And I'm like, hey, I'm just I'm just giving you some friendly advice. If it doesn't come natural, it might might be completely unnatural first. The guys might not even be receptive, right, at first. But they have to be receptive to the fact that you're trying, you know. Absolutely. So. For effort, you know. Yep. And in the end, I mean, you bring it back to yourself. Yep. You know, looking in the mirror mm -hmm. about you. And did you have a time during your journey that you just looked in the mirror and was like, all right, this is what I need to do? Yeah, man. Uh, 110%. I mean, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, no, I did, you know. I think when I got to a point in my career, I can remember I was at station 10 and uh, I, I'd been in, I don't know, probably 12 years at this point. And I'm kind of running right now at station 10, right? I'm like, okay, I know I'm, I know I'm an informal leader. I know the job pretty well. I can train some guys under me. I know some of the officer's jobs. 
you know, but I was, I was running from really being like who I should have been in the fire service. Right. I was like, I'm not going to, am I going to take the test? I would take it and like not study. And, uh, you know, so I really was getting frustrated at some things, took a couple driver's tests, but that's not what I wanted to do. You know? So at this point I'm like, am I really at where I want to be in my career? You know? And, uh, man, truth is I wasn't, and I wasn't telling anybody. I was just kind of keeping it all to myself. And, you know, if we're talking about looking in an actual mirror, I could look in a mirror and be like, I don't like what I'm seeing right now. And it did take a senior guy. And I think I, I touched on this a little bit in my book, but it did take a senior guy at the station at the time. He had about 25 years in and he literally pulled me in the back room one day. Now I'll tell you first, we got into it in, in the galley one day, I think over something stupid, you know, back and forth, but we're in each other's faces, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but he had 25 years in, I was, you know, had about 12, 13 years in and I thought I was hot shit. And he was like, you're not. And uh, when things settled down, we apologized to each other. And um, after about a month of not talking to each other at work, which was super awkward. And, uh, but he did, he pulled me in the back room and he was like, Hey, these guys actually need your leadership. And I don't know what you're running from. And I was like, I was pissed. I was so pissed because he saw what I saw in the mirror and I don't know how he saw it. Maybe just cause he started spending time around the station. And, uh, I was so mad that he called me out and, uh, you know, I, I kind of just, I didn't really give him the time of day, but I knew he was right. And man, it ate me alive, you know? And finally I did, uh, I went back to him. We talked, we sat down. He was like, you need to take the next step, man. You're just hanging out being a fireman. You should have been an officer two, three years ago. And, uh, he kind of pushed me and motivated me to actually take the exam, take it seriously. Uh, I finished top 10, ended up getting a job off that promotion. And I honestly, like I've told him, like I probably owe it to him, you know, because he's the one that really challenged me. But yeah, I was just hanging out, you know, I was like, this is cool. I'm hanging out. Officers aren't bothering me. They know I know my job. The junior guys can't say shit to me. I'm comfortable. I can drive every truck. I can act on every truck, you know, um, I'm cool bringing a hose line in my buy in by myself with the guy on the truck next to me is not reliable. Like I got it. And I think that guy realized that was a dangerous place for me to be. And uh, I kind of knew it a little bit when I was, like I said, you know, looking in the mirror at myself, but it did take somebody to kind of call me out, pull me aside. And he, he really pushed me to take the next step. And uh, you know, if you're, if you are who you are in the fire service, getting promoted is not going to change who you are. You know, like it didn't, it changed me as far as like, now I joke with my guys all the time. I'm like, I'm basically a firefighter with a badge. That's a different color that gets in trouble. If you guys do something dumb, you know, but I'm still who I, I still, I'm still who I was as a firefighter. You know, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm a freaking Lieutenant. Now you guys better. I'm like, look, uh, same guy. Now I just get in trouble when y'all do something dumb, you know? (laughs) It's, It's very true. And it seems like, a lot of times you don't realize what you're doing or what other people see in you until it's the person that you least expect that's going to call you out on it. Yeah. And when you have that person call you out, it is like a, a punch to the gut. Oh, it's Whoa, terrible. Where'd this come from? Yep. But it really makes you think. If your best friend came to you and told you to, you'd probably look at her and laugh. Yep. But when you have the guys, the one you don't want to have something say to you comes and says it to you, you start really looking at it like, okay, you see something in me that I'm right now too arrogant to even think about. Man, you hit the nail on the head. I was. I was just like, I'm not even, don't talk to me right now. And he was like, I am talking to you. And I didn't like it. It's always, I've had that in in my career too. Somebody just come pull me aside. I mean, up against a wall. Yeah. And I'm just laughing in their face. But I think about it. Everything this man said was right. Oh yeah. Everything this man, I went, when I was the whole situation, everything's done. Everything's right. All of a sudden it started, everything clicked. Something just started turning. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we were like in an old school laundry room in the back of the station and I couldn't leave. You know, he's like standing in front of the door and I'm like, (laughs) uh, I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're having this conversation. So yeah. You know, when people are like, I'll take that guy to the back room. Aside from whooping my ass, like it was, he did. He took me to the back room and he had a conversation. But it it changed the course of my career though, in in a good good way. But I was receptive, right? He could have said that stuff and I could have blown him off. And uh, I think he caught me right at the right moment. So I ended up being receptive and I ran with it. And uh, it, it has changed the course of my career in a really good way. 
Absolutely. And you bring up core values. Yeah. We have core values of the department. We have our own core values that we are right. true to ourselves. And those go a long way. If you have true core values to yourself, yeah. the informal, even the formal leadership is going to start showing itself more yep. because you're staying true to these values. I really want to touch on these values that you talk about. Right. Because I, I looked at it and said, man, these are these are these values really should be everybody's values when you look at right, it. And right. You read about it. And coming up with accountability. I mean, how did you think or how did you come up with account out of everything you pick, you pick accountability. Right. What is so important about accountability that you can speak on? I mean, we know what it means, but you right. can speak on why this is huge. So for me, like I'm an ownership guy. And so for accountability for me just meant ownership. Like you know, holding myself accountable, not so much holding other people accountable, but if I'm going to make decisions, I have to be humble enough and willing to be held accountable for them. Like I got to own them, right? If I'm making choices, I got to own my choices. And then I also have to own the consequences of those choices. So that's accountability for me. And it really kind of takes the blame game out of everything. So you can blame people for everything, but you have to be willing to be held accountable. And if you're not, and you're always pushing stuff off, and it's that guy's problem, that guy's fault, this officer, there's this officer, this that firefighter, that like, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, you have to be accountable for your actions, and but you also have to be willing to be held accountable and let other people speak into your life, like give other people permission. Like I talked to a guy the other day. We're talking about accountability and i was like but you also need to give other people permission to come to you and be like hey you told me i could hold you accountable these are your goals these are your standards i'm not seeing that right now and don't get upset when they come to you so you have to give people permission to speak into your life and I, there are a few people around me they know me like i'm pretty bullheaded and bold and i can be the loudest guy in the room so i have people that around me that can be louder or I have people around me that'll be really quiet. And when they talk, I need to listen because they don't say a whole lot. And I know if they're talking, I'm like, okay, man, I screwed up. And they're calling me out on my own stuff, right? I'm like, hey, I need to be held accountable for this. So when they come to me, they're like, you literally said these things. You're not doing them. And I'm like, I don't, what am I going to say, right? Uh, I'm going to make an excuse because I don't have excuses. You know, I'm going to make up an excuse if I give somebody a list of 10 things, I'm like, make sure I do these things. And I step out off, off course. Then I get mad because they try and correct me, you know, that, so that's why accountability was huge for me. It's just ownership, man. Just, you, you want to do something wrong, own it. You do something right, own it. Like you don't got to be perfect. Just own it. Absolutely. The one thing a lot of people need to do is, is own it right and wrong. People don't want to own it when it's wrong. They only want to yeah. own it when it's right. And then you get into integrity. And this was interesting how you read it, how you wrote yeah. it, I should say. And, uh, I like it. I want you to talk yeah. more about your definition of integrity. Yeah. So like this is this like literally came because I used to build a lot of furniture, uh, you know, and every fireman has like 14 jobs. Right. Because people think we get paid. We get paid like 90 grand a year. Um, but we don't. We just love what we do. So we got to support our family by working 32 different jobs. But anyway, so now I started building furniture years ago and like it was just me building furniture in the garage, hanging out. And I started to think about, uh, you get a lot of time to think when it's just me in the garage. And I started like, you know, so I would stand on my tables when I got done with them, you know, like, is this sturdy? Like, is the integrity of the table worth something that I could put out of here? Like, is it going to hold up under the pressure of my body weight? You know? And so I was like, man, that's like a whole nother look on real integrity. Right. So everybody's like, Oh, integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. But for me, integrity was, will you hold up under the pressure when it comes time to make decisions? Like, is that is that the integrity? Like, can you hold up? Like I said, the integrity of something is like, will you hold up under the pressure? The integrity of a table, the integrity of an airplane, the integrity of, so I, was, I thought about it more of like a building, like of a structure of something that could fall apart. And it does still have to do with making the right decisions. Can you make the right decisions under pressure and still hold up under that pressure? Like, will your integrity be compromised? You know, and uh, so that's kind of how my spin on integrity, it was not the traditional, oh, uh, doing the right thing when no one's looking. I was like, no, what is your integrity like 
can you hold up under pressure? Like as a firefighter, as an officer, as somebody making decisions, you know, because we do have a stressful job and, you know, if you're doing it right, uh, we're like comfort and chaos guys and girls out here. We're like, Hey, it's chaotic, but we're good at it. So we'll go back to station, laugh about it and be done. But yeah, integrity for me was more about like, what's the integrity um, of, of the build? Like, can you hold up under the pressure? And so that's how I question myself. Like, and I think the more you're making the right decisions when nobody's looking and when they are looking, you start to build that foundation. So when something does happen, you will hold up under pressure and your integrity will not be compromised. I love it. I love the way you wrote it. It, it really makes sense and really puts a picture together where you really understand um, yeah. what you need to be doing with yourself. Well, I'm glad, glad it came across because I was like, I don't know how people are going to take this. It's not your traditional definition. You can blend it together too. Yeah. You know, what you're doing behind the scenes. But can you hold up? Right. What are you doing behind the scenes? Are you doing bullshit behind the scenes, making it look like you have this integrity right. and this accountability? And you're saying you're doing it, but are you walking the walk as doing all the talking? Back up yeah. what you say. Yeah, that's good, so, man. And you finish it off at respect. And I've always been one respect. I, you know, playing baseball my whole life, I always said respect is the thing you need to have. Especially right. if you don't respect the game, the game's going to beat you. You're going to lose. Yeah. If you don't respect the fire, the fire's going to beat you. You're going to get yeah. burned. If you don't respect the people, I'm not going to follow you. Right. I'm going to work with you. And what is your take on, on the respect part of your value? Yeah. So respect to me, like, I mean, I've always, I've always been taught respect is earned, you know, ever since I was a kid, like you just, you earn respect and you give respect, you know, and you don't just, you don't just give respect so you can get it. You just give respect because that's what you do. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. Like now I would say I don't give, you know, there's, there's like a blanket part of like, I would say basic level respect that you give people, you know? Uh, so there's like early trust in the fire department, you know, like, okay, like, uh, I got to call you, sir. You're a lieutenant, captain, chief. So, like, I'll respect the fact that you outrank me, you know. But the sad thing is, like, if I'm only respecting the fact that you're an officer and I can't respect you as a man or woman, like, we got an issue, you know. And uh, I, I just think respect is earned. And you do earn respect by not being an asshole all the time and, like, getting to learn your people, you know. So, like, you give respect to get respect. And I think nobody should just expect it uh you know respect is big man and um you know if you look like like i know like i i mess with my wife all the time like i know she loves me like there ain't no question my wife loves me like it, there's like a million different ways she's like she could show me she loves me but sometimes she'll say something i'll be like man i felt completely disrespected in what you just said you know and she's like what are you talking about and i'm like uh you know like well it was so respect is big right it's not it's not something small and I think in the fire department, a lot of the times, you know, I think guys think I'm promoted now. They have to respect me. I'm like, well, they do if we're talking about a chain of command. Like, but they don't when we're talking about what kind of firefighter were you before you got promoted? And are you willing to make some changes? You know, because you can change, you know, it's it's hard to make a U-turn in the fire service. We have some very unforgiving people. Uh, me included, man, I got, you know, I'm, I'm working on myself. I'm working on stuff. You know, I, I like to say I've asked for forgiveness for things and forgiven a few people, but um, yeah, respect, man. You got, I really believe you got to give it to get it. And I don't think you should expect it just because you're an officer, you know, I'll call you sir, but that doesn't mean I respect you as a man either. Absolutely. I think a lot of people need to learn that as they grow too, because some people do think if they have a position, they have respect. And yeah. it's how you treat others and how you, how you work with others that really build that respect. The last thing I want to talk to you about, because I don't want to give away too much of this book, because I want people to buy it. I want people to read it, right. is mediocrity. Yeah. Your mediocre career. You talk about that, and you start off that chapter talking about you're not going to train, you're not going to do this, and you get right into being a leader. Right. And if you want to be a jump seat leadership, informal leadership, that's not the route to go. Right. I want to talk about that a little bit more about how you came across with that, how that yeah. came to you. 
Yeah. So you, I think you just get to a point in your career where you just stale, right? You're like, uh, I'm good. And uh, it's just like, it's really exciting in the beginning and you, you've got some job skills now. You're pretty decent on scene when you show up and you're just living this like mediocre, complacent career where you're like, I'm, I'm good. No big deal. I could just sit here and do the rest of my career here. Uh, the problem with that is I think you get caught with your pants down. You know, when you think you've got it all figured out and you're leave, living the mediocre firefighter life, like you get caught, you know, now, now what's your standard? Like if you're living a mediocre life, like you're telling yourself, I've reached the standard. I really shouldn't have to do anything else. Now you've set no new standard for yourself. So how are you progressing? How are you moving forward? And if you don't have a standard for yourself and you're not moving forward and you call yourself a leader, well, leaders take people places, right? That's like the root word of leader is lead. So I have to be going somewhere generally to take people with me that would want to follow me and living a mediocre career where I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm good. Well, then I can't expect to be called a leader because I'm, I'm just sitting still. Like I would, I would never call any man or woman that's sitting still with a crowd of people, a leader. Now, if I looked and I saw a random crowd of people and there was a man or woman walking and they were following him, I might say that person is leading people right now. Look at him or her, whatever. But the mediocre career, man, it's, there's just no standard for yourself. It's almost like you've said, I've reached the top. And then you kind of set an example for the guys below you. Like, this is as far as you can get. This is as far as you will go, you know? So you don't have to be a officer in here. You know, you don't have to be a driver or you don't have to be a captain. She like, but I think you should be going somewhere, you know, like maybe you want to be that senior firefighter. Like, okay, well, what does that look like? You know, what does that look like? What do senior firefighters do? Do not like the senior firefighter reputations, your department. Maybe you're the guy or girl that changes that. But to just be mediocre in your career and sit around and not do a whole lot, and I don't, I don't think it's good for you or anybody around on your crew. Absolutely, and I just think that people need to read that chapter. That first paragraph was given out to firefighters. They should read that the first paragraph of that chapter. Yeah and interpret it the way they want and see how they're going to change their career based on that, because that could change you in many ways. Right. You're basically saying, I'm giving up. Yeah. And you go on to say, no, no, this is how you're going to do it. But I don't want to give too much away from the book because it's a really good book. Yeah. And the workbook- uh, dude, I appreciate it. I mean, you, you're giving me some ideas here too. So like, I think yeah. what I'm going to do is like, uh, you know, because I do that, that video series where it's like two, three minutes every couple of weeks. And then uh, I think I'm going to cover the book now. I'm just going to go chapter to chapter and do just a quick thing on each chapter. So um, you're getting me re-motivated about my own book, which is, which is good. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Anytime. I really enjoyed it. And I love yeah. I love, uh, I love talking this stuff because it's just it's almost invigorating, you know, gets yeah. you motivated and everything else. But, you know, I'm going to wrap this up. And then get it ready for everybody to listen to. So, do you have any last words? Anything you want to say? Where you know where we could where they could find you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm big on informal leadership. I don't think that's a secret. You know, jump seat leadership is all about leading from the back of the truck. It's all about leading yourself. Uh, the biggest thing is, I truly believe you have to lead yourself before you lead other people. So if you you ever want to be in any leadership position, you have to be going somewhere yourself and you got to figure out what that looks like for yourself. It looks different for everybody. Um, you can pick up the book on my website, jumpseatleadership.org. You follow the social media page. Uh, I felt like it left people hanging at the end of the book. So I wrote a workbook to go along with it where you can actually map out your own goals and actually get somewhere in the fire service. Um, man, reach out to me if you're like, I'm freaking stuck. And uh, this guy seems pretty motivating and it resonates. Reach out to me. I'll help you get where you want to go. That's why I'm here. And man, Nick, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is awesome. I appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate it. And if you ever want to come back on, um, door's always open. Thanks, man. Anytime. So everything we, everything we spoke about today, contact, everything else will be in the show notes. So anybody can just click on that if they can't remember and they just want to find out where you are, get your Instagram handle, whatever check it out so josh thank you for coming on yes sir thank you for doing what you're doing for the fire service helping people every day become better 
leaders that are humans that are firefighters. And like we said, the Fire Tribune and Fire 2 Firefighter. Until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. what you heard and you want to hear more please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please leave us a rating and don't forget to pick up the book the five tool firefighter available on amazon at the firehouse until next time work hard stay safe and live inspired